0: Welcome listeners to the NK News Podcast, recorded here in Seoul on Thursday, November 22nd, 2018. It's American Thanksgiving, and today I am joined by Tatyana Gabrosenko to talk about North Korean literature and film and cultural production in general. But before we get into the discussion, I want to tell you all about the new NK shop. NK News annual shop is back in business for the holiday season. Chad and the team have really stepped up their game this year and have extremely limited edition retro t-shirts, 2019 calendars, I gave one of them to Tatiana, postcards and my personal favorite, the Andy Warhol inspired North Korea canned goods posters and vintage DPRK travel posters. Listeners to this podcast can get 10% off their entire purchase by using the code NKPODCAST10, that's NKPODCAST10, all one word, at the checkout. Just go to nkshop.org to see what's in stock this year. All kinds of really great gifts, ideas for friends and loved ones and any North Korea watcher. So, today's studio guest, Professor Dr. Tatyana Gabrosenko, obtained her PhD in East Asian Studies at the Australian National University in Canberra. She is currently a professor of North Korean Studies at Korea University in Seoul. I had the good fortune of studying, uh, taking one of her classes for one semester in 2014 when I was a humble exchange student from Leiden University. Her 2010 book, Soldiers on the Cultural Front, Developments in the Early History of North Korean Literature and Literary Policy, was included in the Choice magazine list of outstanding academic ti- outstanding academic titles of 2012. Welcome, Tatiana. Thanks for joining me.
1: Thank you very much. Thank you for inviting me.
0: How did you become interested in North Korean cultural production?
1: Uh, yeah, uh, actually, I'm not a cultural studies person at all. At least my background was history, so I was more interested in Korean history, Korean societies, Korean sociology, most probably. But what I found uh, problematic in my when making my research is to find some sources, reliable sources of North Korean, uh, studied North Korea, and. Mostly we rely on detector stories or some rumors. Uh, Some of them are really wild. And it came to me quite early. Probably makes sense to uh, search in another area, something something like cultural production. Because I'm a person from the ex-Soviet Union. So with my Soviet background, I remember quite well that cultural production, mass culture, uh, for all its control... Uh, by the state and ideologies It used to be quite a reliable source of information about the Soviet Union once. And I know that for many Soviet, Sovietologists in 1990s, Perestroika came as a complete surprise. I think the reason is that they simply didn't read mm-hmm. uh, Soviet books uh, since 1960s and didn't watch Soviet films, probably, because all these traces were pretty much obvious to anybody who ever encountered them. So this was one of the sources which was apparently not investigated at all. And I think that uh, I decided to go the same way with North Korea. So So, so sometimes
0: culture can be uh, a predictor of social phenomena that happen later.
1: Yes, probably because culture show you for all it control. Uh, Again, culture shows you cultural discourse. It's Uh, environment. It's uh, the atmosphere in society much better than any defective stories or whatever. It's much more objective, especially when you read not one or two stories. Some one or two could be misleading. But you have to immerse into the whole uh, flow of this culture. That's why I never chosen, uh, uh, I never concentrated on something special like literature or films or songs. I try to investigate this all altogether of course uh, in case of North Korea we have uh, one much more close society than uh, Soviet Union even in the harshest Stalinist period so the sources were very limited they were always very limited and so I began my studies with the only source available at the moment it was in Australia it was this North Korean uh, literature a regular monthly which published and for some reason Australian uh, National Library they had close connection with Central library Pyeon that's where my studies started from later i uh, then i spread my interest to big novels because uh, choson munhak they normally contained uh, each issue contained one or two short stories and this is apparently not enough it was good it's it was quite interesting but still not enough so then i i started to read Uh, big novels uh, big novels which are very popular in North Korea like like a source of entertainment Mm -hmm. and then I turned my attention to films uh, and songs and TV shows (laughs) and whatever is uh, available now with, with internet because internet it can break through even the society like North Korea.
0: <laughs> so. so, okay, so you've mentioned a, a variety of different North Korean cultural products. You mentioned short stories in literary journals. You mentioned big full-length novels, uh, movies, songs, uh, and TV programs. Is that, is that it, or, or are there more kinds of North Korean cultural products that are worth examining, uh, that you cover in your research? What other kinds of products are there?
1: Actually, I, I develop all the time, so I, I'm not concentrated on something special. Uh, just recently, I found out my current research is based on, uh, so I concentrate on North Korean TV dramas, which became very popular in the 2000s. That's what I'm doing right now, but... Also, uh, there are such things as uh, TV shows in North Korea, comedy shows. Uh, this is a new one, which I only started to investigate.
0: Okay. Now, there, are, of course, there are so many questions that we can ask about that. In fact, I, I think uh, I'd like to encourage at this point listeners who are listening to the podcast, if you have questions about cultural production or cultural products of North Korea, send them in by email, and we'll collect them and have uh, Tatiana, on uh, at a later date for a second podcast, to, just to answer all your questions. Because I'm sure lots of people will have questions about North Korean sitcoms and, and, and dramas. Um, I've got a, a question about uh, Kim Il-sung and Kim Jong-il. They both taught certain ideas about literature, and certainly Kim Jong-il wrote these texts you know, on literature, on the arts, on cinema making, what can we learn from reading such texts?
1: Very honestly speaking, nothing. (laughs) My understanding is just words, which do not reflect at all any cultural policy, any actual cultural policy. It's just words, it's just expression, they're totally empty. Because in my understanding, in order to understand where this culture is moving, uh, where you just simply have to read or to watch what they do. For example, uh, the process like uh, 1980s. In 1980s, North Korean culture experienced a period of unprecedented openness, liberalization. Something unprecedented, really. So you see these dissident stories, you see these films which were devoted to corruption, for example, in North Korean education. Systematic corruption, not just once or twice, but just as a as system. But if you read all this propaganda materials, official propaganda, you will find nothing. You will only see that, oh, this is the spirit of the 80s, as they say, this uh, ideology of sumnin yonun, so hidden heroes, nothing new, nothing much, but the actual development of the culture uh, that actually helps us to understand where the culture is moving.
0: So why did... Uh... I mean, why would North Korea waste so much time and resources on these very, very thick books?
1: I think it's not so much about wasting, <laughs> uh, wasting time, but rather giving some authority, additional authority to Kim Il-sung and Kim Jong-il. Kim Jong-il was, of course, much more intellectual person than his father was, but his father was a typical soldier, yeah. you know, yeah. the full soldier. And so he, in reality, of course, he had not this, how to say, not this atmosphere of um, intellect. He didn't know uh, much. He was, not, he was never involved in any cultural production or he was not interested in culture, in reality, in real, like, real life. Kim Il-sung. So I think it was a part of propaganda campaign, a part of cult propaganda to increase this atmosphere of intellect or something like that. Because uh, providing Korean tradition, the leader has to be a person who's cultured you know, this cultural person, probably to add some cultural environment, (laughs) just cultural influence, something like that. Uh, So it's, but uh, only for that. I don't think that this is, has something to do with real politics or real... Of course, they were the people who actually did this politics, but they didn't do this in written forms. They never announced this. That is the biggest difference in North Korea with the Soviet Union, for example, because 1980s in North Korean literature and arts could be quite comparable with Thor in the Soviet Union, or First Perestroika, you can call it like that, which happened during Khrushchev's era. But Khrushchev, you know, he was a very open-minded man, so he never hid and any attempts to change the cultural atmosphere. He spoke a lot about that. So the thaw was actually openly announced in the country. Mm-hmm. In North Korea, it never was announced at all. It, they had this uh, thaw in the 1980s, but they never announced. Uh, and the very word uh, Pyongyang changed it's a big word, it's a bad word in North Korea. So, yeah. so, we live without change, that's how they say.
0: So, if I understand correctly, then you're saying that uh, real North Korean uh, cultural uh, policy, literary policy is uh, completely divorced from uh, the books written by Kim Il-sung and Kim jong or written under their name and that true policy is given in an oral form, it's never written down. Why is it important to not keep these things written?
1: Because the policy can be changed any moment. The problem is that in North Korea, they don't have this consistent policy. This policy could be changed any moment. For example, this openness of the 80s, which was unannounced completely. In the same unannounced form, it disappeared in the 90s. How they would explain that? we are now closing we stop with all these dissidents from yeah. now on they are paradise and the siege <laughs> so, so so we are not uh, there are no bad characters in our literature anymore so that it requires some responsibility
0: okay now the, the purpose of north korean cultural products like books and film they're not just for entertainment right they're not art for art's sake or entertainment for entertainment sake. there's another purpose there what is that what do they seek to do
1: Folding, uh, molding people, That's that's how I would say. This is, and not only in ideological sense, but normally social molding or molding of people, strong didactic function, something that we had in previous Confucian culture. But overall, I would compare this with religious culture. Religious culture, religious literature. So it's not necessarily has to be about life of Christ, for example, but it's always imbued with the spirit of Christ or something like this. But it doesn't mean that it's not about Christ, but with the strong tint of religion. You know, for example, fairy tales of Goffman or this beautiful Moorish architecture in Spain. For example, it's so strongly Muslim uh, architecture, but it doesn't prevent us from enjoying these works. Even if we prefer to close our eyes on some religious messages here you see lots of other messages as well so it's not only about uh, great leader, though um, the great leader, of course, present
0: Yeah, I'm reminded of that phrase. I'm, I'm not sure if it's from Stalinism or what, but uh, uh, engineers of the human soul.
1: Yes, that was Stalin's expression, engineers of human soul. North Korean leader Kim Il-sung, the first leader, he slightly rephrased this and turned North Koreans into soldiers on the cultural front.
0: So a writer, a filmmaker, a songwriter fighting that battle for... Um, for the glory of of the fatherland. Exactly, exactly. Do we have any idea, is there any information official or unofficial about the volume of output At the moment from North Korea, I mean, for example, how many North Korean films are produced every year or how many novels are published? Do we know anything about that?
1: Of course, we have. We have. Again, I can't say how objective these things are, but in North Korea, they publish so-called Choson, Chunan, Nyongam. So this is the yearbook, which which is more or less uh, objective. I'm not sure how true it is, how precise it is, but I didn't encounter any problems with that before so
0: i can only speak from my uh, personal experience but when i was uh, researching my thesis about north korean graphic novels or comic books i also studied those uh, yongam and uh, even some uh, English language catalogues. And what I found interesting, I actually made a a list of all the books that were in those yearbooks and in the catalogues, and I compared them with the books that I had seen. And I found that maybe 50 to 60% of the published books are listed in the yearbooks, but many books were not listed in the yearbooks. And quite often, a book might be published in a yearbook, for example, for 1997, but it was published in actual fact, two or three or five years later, so at the at least for graphic novels, I found there was not a close correlation between the list that were given in the yearbooks and the actual cultural output, which is interesting given it's such a centralised, state-controlled apparatus. The whole you know cultural production. I mean, there are only a limited number of publishing companies. They're all based in Pyongyang. There are only two printing houses, uh, both in Pyongyang. So to to find such an incomplete list, it seemed surprising to me. Uh, uh, okay, so what emotional, effect, uh, what, sorry, what emotional effect do these texts have on you as a researcher when you read the books or view films? And is this emotional effect different to the intended emotional effect on North Korean audiences?
1: Oh, it's a very interesting question, actually, because as I told you, I turned to North Korean cultural production not for some emotional effects, of course, but as a researcher, cold-minded, sometimes overtly critical and cynical. But I quickly understood that I can't escape this emotional effect, too. I remember that it was the first time when I actually understood this. Uh, they published a, a serialized this novel about uh, adventures of North Korean spy in and uh, so it was serialized in, m- in a monthly Choson Yesur. So, and I found out that I'm very impatient. I really was interested in what's going on. I included this uh, this uh, serial into my uh, one of my research, but it was much more than that. So apparently this uh, literature, this culture intruded into my life and... Then uh, the emotions became even deeper when, for example, uh, I first listened to The son Father's Blessing. Uh, it's from old North Korean film. Uh, by written the song was b- written by a d- very distinguished North Korean poet Peggy June the old film unhyeon so the fate of Hyun and he the film is very it's a rubbish but the song was beautiful really beautiful and i was touched almost to tears it reminded me of my own father it's a lullaby which father uh, sings to his daughters yeah. and it reminded me so much to my father, who sung lullaby to me when I was a child. And, and the next one, probably the la- the another, another moment, it was when I watched Minjo Kaon It's not a TV show, it's not a drama in our sense, it's very different. Uh, the character who played the major role here, Chui Chan Su, I like he, the guy very much. But what touched me most, you know, in this film, it was the moment when he discussed one very burning issue, something, issue which still exists in between two Koreas, and as far as I understand, it's not, dis- not actually solved yet. Uh, he, uh, he lived in South Korea, and during the Korean War, he was one of the heroic soldiers of South Korea, against mm-hmm. North Korea. But by the twist of fate... Uh, his conflict with Han, uh, with uh, Park etc. He found himself eventually visiting his homeland in North Korea, where he met with his friends, with his relatives. Everything was fine, with an exception of his closest friend, of his friend of his youth, because there is a blood between the two, because the the sister of his friend was killed because of his strict strict order: kill all. Uh, Reds, just military time order. So, and his friend, he understands it quite well that uh, probably this twist of uh, international games, Korean war is a complex, but how to forgive? How to forgive this? So he can't communicate because he remembers his sister, he remembers all this blood. And so this is the problem which indeed exists in between two careers, uh, something which is not resolved yet as we see I was really astonished to see what is the solution which they suggested. One of the characters says simply, you just forget, just forget. I understand that this is, we all did a lot of things, but just forget. Without this, we can't be a new nation again. And it was so, so humanistic. And why it shocked me so much? Because exactly the same day when I first watched this film, I, I just passed near a demonstration here in Seoul. And they were very ultra writers demonstration with all these uh, depictions of cruelty of uh, commies during the Korean War, and we will never forget, yeah. let's vengeance be complete. And it was such a big contrast between these people and the film this the decision of the film
0: is that a message that is repeated throughout many different north korean cultural products
1: it's the first time before the, uh, the, the you can see this in different different ways you know different way the ways of forgiveness because in different, uh, this is something started in 1990s when North Koreans started to consider, to contemplate the issue of Korean War. Uh, and in many other films, I see how they try to explain this, why it happened. Mostly, they explain that people were wrong, people were deceived by Americans or the Soviets or whoever. But this is the first time when they show uh, the character who was totally devoted anti-communist and brave anti-communist and and very devoted he was uh, as we found out later in the film he was uh, also deceived but anyway you know it's brave it's self-sufficient person
0: I do wonder though I mean it's possible that in that film the message is if you feel disappointed in South Korea you feel deceived by South Korea and you come to North Korea then it's okay to forgive and forget
1: yes 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 sure because they they, of course it's not very objective picture because of course this is only about crimes of South Koreans but it it was still it was something very unexpected to me and I I remember that I demonstrated show this film to my South Korean students and the they were really touched by this message. They found it's really strong message.
0: All right. Could you tell us a little bit about your book, uh, which is called Soldiers on the Cultural Front? Um, what did you learn while researching and writing it?
1: Oh, many things. <laughs> First, this, this um, research was about the beginning of North Korean literature and the arts, these complex processes which North Korean soldiers on the Cultural Front experience in 1945-1960. So just the beginning was all the sweat and blood, which led to creation of North Korean culture. But what was particularly interesting to me that I based uh, this research, I based not only on this uh, cultural materials, but also on the interview with the participants with this events. Some of them still lived to that moment. They lived in uh, Soviet Union, ex-Soviet Union in Kazakhstan and in Moscow. For example, I was able to interview ex- an ex-deputy minister of culture. His name was Chun Sanjin, so a Soviet Korean who uh, returned uh, in 1955. He came back to run away. Uh, so he, he, has, he had very good memory, and he gave me lots of interesting information The other interesting interview was with Chogichon's son, who now lives in Moscow. Chogichon, he was a founding father of North Korean poetry. Very famous man, quite well known even in contemporary North Korea because... All North Koreans know the song Hi-Param. Uh, but also what uh, the other part, it was a pleasant part of my research, but it was also a very unpleasant part. It was when I carefully read and read the materials relating to factional struggle uh-huh. in North Korean uh, culture, when I tried to investigate why uh, some person was demoted and purged uh, and how uh, he was demoted and purged. It was really, really uh, disturbing, all this reading. When uh, you see how uh, people were criticized, all these all this harsh words, all these uh, critical materials, it was really nasty <laughs> reading that.
0: Generally speaking, what is the uh, artistic or literary value of North Korean literature, whether it's a, a novel or a short story? How do you assess their literary value?
1: I would like to say that it's not bad. It's not bad at all, and especially if, of course, only if you prefer, if you choose to disregard ideological messages or some claims, you know, some uh, slogans which uh, characters sometimes use. Overall, if you prefer to discuss, uh, discard this and read through it, you can enjoy the stories quite well. You can enjoy the stories, you can enjoy the language, because North Korean language, unlike South Korean uh, South Korean literary literal language, it became more just simplified with years. It's, it became more simplified. It included more pictures, etc. North Koreans, they use um, the old style language. The old style language was all these complexities. I learned to enjoy it, actually. I'm Russian. I like Tolstoy and Dostoevsky uh-huh. So to me, it, it's perfect. But apart from that, of course, they are very interesting works for real everyday, everyday uh, North Korea, too. For example, recently I finished the novel by Chon Hyun-chol, Kugi So really interesting story, really interesting novel, which I really enjoyed. Uh, that is about Korean mother Teresa. Uh, this story based, like many stories of this type, they were based on a true story of women who, during the RDS match, Kuna uh, Gun in the 1990s, who adopted many children. This is a very constant uh, theme of many North Korean films and works. But this, I like the jakot because, one, because it is not only uh, focusing on the hero, heroism of the woman, but on her real day, uh, real everyday uh, problems, on her problems how to manage with kids who just lost their parents, with all the psychological trauma, how to manage, how to cook for them, how to form your relations with your ch- with your husband who is a bit confused with all this <laughs> amount of kids who just intruded. Your house, etc., etc. So very realistic, uh, very realistic uh, everyday uh, life uh, novel. Or uh, this, in the same uh, way, I liked um, uh, this TV drama of 1990s, which is called Uri Uter. So this our neighbors. Again, this is the story about neighbors, about this divorce and separation of inside the family, how the neighborhood was involved, and all this relations between people. Uh, Lots of things like that. Also, uh, I learned to enjoy some historical novels, paradoxically enough, because in North Korea, one of the very typical, uh, one of the favorite topics of North Korean literature and films, too, in 2000 became events of North Korean history, uh, soon after liberation and just during the Korean War. Uh, So I would say that this is quite interesting.
0: Now, some people would argue that literary work from North Korea are not really literature, that you can't sort of see them as part of Korean literature. They're simply texts that should be read for North Korean political studies or some other field. Uh, well, how would you respond to that idea?
1: I don't know. I think that people who say like that, what is Korean culture? What is Korea? I, I do not know. For example, South Korean culture, it's not the culture of 18th century at no. all. It, it also an interrupted uh, tradition too because it's the tradition which experienced the influence of some modernization foreign foreign influences as, w- uh, as well i find that south korean contemporary literature has very strong influence of japanese literature mm-hmm. as well all this uh, pessimism all this doom and gloom and all this stuff you know it's reminds me of, <laughs> i don't know how korean it is and on the other hand, uh, some traditional motifs, some traditional uh, things, they continue in North Korean literature as well. But again, just to repeat, I perceive this literature as a kind of religious literature. I think mm-hmm. that's the closest comparison, the closest parallel. If I go to some Moorish or just some Muslim architecture, when I see this uh, this beautiful building, for example. Of course, I can concentrate on this citation from Quran, and on the other hand, I can just enjoy the architecture. I think that uh, first of all, what we have to remember that this is uh, North Korea. It's the culture. It's not culture. It's a country in which um, people live, and this is uh, they have their everyday life. Uh, they have their everyday life concerns. They have their own their own life. It's not, uh, yes, it's different from South Korea. That's why the culture is different too.
0: Do you think it's possible that uh, literary arts from North Korea will survive in the literary arena in a uh, future unified Korea? Or would it just be like a reference for sort of specific, uh, almost for historical purposes?
1: I think that I'm, I don't think that they will survive this because I think the culture, uh, normally the culture will, which will survive in this uh, situation. This is the culture of the strongest part of Korea, and of course South Korea is much stronger economically, uh, spiritually. <laughs> however, so it's it's of course they won't survive this. The interesting thing is that they different not only in their attitude to. Uh, the leader, but they're different in their life philosophy, that's what I would like to say, even about perception of everyday life problem. I found that South Korean culture, again, it's very pessimistic, it's very victimized, it's uh, lots of complaining, lots of weakness, it's a it's a voice of weak people sometimes. That's what you hear. In North Korea, it's something opposite. You see very positive, very energetic people uh, who solve their problems, you know, who solve their everyday life problems. They're not concentrated so much on the soul surgeons. They, are con- they concentrate on some everyday problems. and They solve them. And they're happy. <laughs> That's how it is. And this is different from what we see in South Korea. South Korea is more uh, on personal level, just interpersonal, deep interpersonal relations, deep soul-searching, deep problems uh, of every heart, etc. In North Korea, they consider things from different point of view.
0: Who would you consider to be the most influential literary figure in North Korea? I mean, I know that's a big question because they've got 70 years of existence already, but who would be the number one author that you can point to as being an influential literary figure?
1: I think that in North Korea, that was the uh, very conscientious choice, conscientious policy of North Korean leadership. Uh, They made every effort to avoid creating a person like that uh, because I think what they had in uh, at the beginning when they had figures like Igyeon or Han Soryan, who were too strong by Kim Jong Kim Il Sung's taste, he tried to uh, downplay the influence of these people, uh, and I think that's why, for example, when you read North Korean, when you open North Korean books, sometimes you don't see the. Much information about each author. So they they try to downplay uh, with each. But this tendency started to be uh, just in recent years. uh, North Korean uh, attitude to influential figures in North Korea, uh, in North Korean literature, and that started to change slightly. And one of the recent examples, for example, when I bought a new book by Ihee Chan. Uh, which is called Tanpunun Ragubi Animnida. <laughs> so difficult to translate. So autumn is not the end, something okay. like this. You, you can call it like that. Ihi-chan, uh, when I first saw this, uh, saw this name, I thought that it's something wrong with me because Ihi-chan, he was the script writer of uh, the long film uh, of 1970s so finally to see his work published in two so i'm not i'm not sure how old is he now interesting thing is that uh in this book it's the first time when i saw it when they published the biography they published uh, this praise of the person though they didn't give his uh portrait uh you know that's that's interesting thing that North Koreans uh, st- they still don't publish the portraits uh, of the writers. Yes, so of course there are some different categories of people like, uh, for example, person like Gil uh, this uh, historian, so he was probably a writer of the first category. So there are some writers uh, like uh, Kim Hanel. I believe that the, this must be the new person, the new person, but he is praised, he or she, I do not know, <laughs> Hanel what are this? he or she this person is praised in Chosun Munhak and all this critical articles so I can imagine that he is popular person influential person now mm. but uh, there are no such thing as this open recognition of the authority of uh, some person who is involved in literature, chungu. probably he is very old man very old man so the person who is extremely prolific uh, he started his, um, his work in 1980s. And the uh, interesting thing is that uh, in recent edition, new edition of North Korean literature textbooks for middle school kids, they published some of his scenarios. Mm. And he was uh, part of the group of uh, scenario writers who wrote Minjookaonon. Uh, and, uh, mm. of course, the lots of other things, the classic Torah uh, this all these films uh, and ne There are lots of stuffs like that.
0: The North Korean government sometimes gives out awards to uh, cultural workers to recognise their achievements. So there are two levels of awards. I forget which one is a higher one. There's a sort of a People's Award and there's. Another one, kind of an honorary award. Doesn't that a little bit contradict what you said, that North Korea doesn't want writers to be recognized?
1: But it's not. It's interesting. Of course, they uh, praise people. They give these awards. But the thing is that these people are not visible so Uh much in in everyday life. They're not to to become a cultural authority you have to be heard on the TV screens or uh, in uh, you know in interviews but north korean uh, leadership probably avoided doing this so of course all these awards exist but there are lots of other awards in north korea but you never know <laughs> you know never know these people
0: For those people who cannot read korean are there any north korean novels or short stories available in english translation
1: There are some works but they're not very significant ones because the problem with North Korean literature translation is that, uh, you know, they're either very big one uh, which nobody will publish. Of course, there are some short stories translated but they are not uh, the best, the most representative.
0: But, I mean, the North Korean uh, foreign language publishing house, uh, well, less now but certainly in previous decades, they printed hundreds thousands of volumes every year translations in english french spanish arabic of uh, the works of kim il song the reminiscences of the, with the century right the memoirs of kim il song uh, these uh, empty uh, as, as you um describe them empty political books about cultural production but actually in terms of translating north korean literature It seems there's very little resources spent on that.
1: They spent some resources on translation this into Russian. Very interesting was the archive materials which I found. Uh, This archive material it's letters of Soviet translators, the letters to the publishing house.
0: So the the translators are writing letters to the Russian publisher.
1: To Russian publisher and. Uh, what really made me laugh that i know this i knew these people quite well they are very polite very nice people but in these letters <laughs> they were enraged you know with all this garbage <laughs> this sometimes people they were very uh, for example ivanova uh, he was one of the translator uh, russian translator of uh, the works of igion and the author uh, of this, she was very direct. She said, "It's rubbish. <laughs> Nobody will read it ever." So they almost on the border of politeness in these letters. So yeah, so probably the problem with North Korean uh, translation is that they sometimes can't estimate what is interesting to the foreign view, uh, foreign reader. That's one thing, and the other thing that. They normally promote these works of literary jo- generals.
0: Um, have you noticed any change in, let's say, just in Kim Jong Un's time? So, in the last six, seven years, have you noticed any change in literary or film trends in North Korea?
1: Of course, there are lots of new things in North Korea, and the most important is um, the most important thing is that. Uh, in North Korea, all this film production, they reflect closely the personalities of the leaders. So that's why, for example, in Kim, Kim jong time, we see lots of works about romance. He loved films, and so he, during his leadership the film's actually just blooming this industry but kim jong uh, kim Jong-un, he's apparently a different type of person and uh, he is quite interested in sports and children's education because mm-hmm. from what we know he is a very uh, doting father of his little girl that's that's what reflect uh, traits and so that's why we see uh, many films of today they are films about education about children's education about Uh, how to treat little children. And also this uh, sports, it's about education, sport education, again, for kids very popular thing.
0: What about drama films about North Korean sports victories? Have we seen that kind of thing in the last few years? I mean, there are various sports films in South Korea, but can you think of any in North Korea that are like that?
1: They 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 have some uh, they have some films, recent films, but they are not about some big international games because it's a sport now closely related to education. This is about, for example, little kids' uh, sport team which won some local championship, something like this. So how to raise kids, how to make them love sports, etc. It's very child-children-oriented uh, culture. That's what we see now in North Korea. That's why uh, now a new thing is probably you notice that in North Korea they since rev- uh, just returned to the old a uh, serial for kids, uh, Sonyun Changun. And not only this one, but also uh, the whole serial of educational films for kids, just about uh, keeping rules, roll or road rules. So some of them are really interesting and, uh, you know, even have some funds.
0: Do you see any sign in uh, North Korean cultural products that has either a uh, reaction to or a warning against South Korean cultural products which we know are being smuggled into North Korea through uh DVDs and USBs. and Do you see any, any evidence of that?
1: There is no trace of that, no trace of any danger, any fighting against this danger as we see during Kim Jong-un's time. Kim Jong-un's time you can find time to time uh, things like that, but in contemporary North uh, Korean art and North Korean films or works of uh, we see just we see no reference to any foreign intrusion, any foreign danger nothing like that. So it seems to me that they start to, they want to present themselves as happy society. That's, that's the image. And even more, it's interesting the uh, attitude to, uh, attitude to South Korea. Uh, the new thing which I noticed, it's not related uh, to cultural uh, production, but it's still part of North Korean media. Now they started to publish now Probably it it was before, but I never saw it before. Uh, Calls just the letters uh, to South Korean defectors, South defectors, North Korean defectors in South Korea. When the family uh, addresses to these people in on YouTube and say, "Please come on, come back to our country. We are now living fine. Uh, So we know that you, you know, you experienced this weakness during the August March, but now." You are welcome to the mm. bottom of our leader to our come back and you will be safe and sound everything. Apart from that, it's it's all you know. It's all very confident, very useful, very energetic society with lots of kids with lots with very popular leader, etc., etc. So it's something that that's what it is.
0: Okay. One last question for you. We started off. You were explaining your interest in uh, North Korean culture by. Uh, using the analogy of the Soviet Union, that uh, many people who were watching the Soviet Union didn't see Glasnost or or Perestroika coming on. And you said they would have seen that if they had been looking at Soviet culture. Now, turning back to North Korea, do you see any signs in North Korean culture of a a big opening in the future, a big change in North Korea?
1: I, I don't think that. I think that what they are going to do with their culture, with their society... They will be changing, of course, economically. They will be becoming more and more capitalist, forgetting about all this uh, communist stuff, but they will call it communist. So it's really interesting to see that every success, economic successes, which we know for sure, they are all results of capitalization of North Korea. They all present it as the prosperity of our socialist mm-hmm. land. So that's they, they use the old words, for a very new economic model. And so my impression is that they are not going to change uh, in terms of uh, rhetoric. They are not going to change this ideological framework. Don't be deceived by that, because North Korea is changing. (laughs) North Korea is changing,
0: yeah. Interesting. Well, thank you very much. That's where we're going to have to leave it today. Uh, Don't forget to our listeners at home uh, to check out the nkshop.org for all North Korea-related holiday gift ideas, and you can get 10% off your entire purchase by using the code nkpodcast10, that's nkpodcast10, at the checkout. Uh, We'll be back again next week with a new podcast, and we'll definitely have Tatiana again uh, sometime in the near future to talk more about North Korean culture. Thanks, and listen again next time.